Decaw makes a delicious peanut butter stout called Sweet Baby Jesus, which they have now banned in Ohio because apparently it's, you know, against God or something. Oh, man. I need to get my hands on some of that. Sounds awesome. Oh, so good. I'll send you some. Because God doesn't, God doesn't like peanuts and it's bare. Welcome to episode 27 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a pint or other fine beverage. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our official sponsor, Craft Beer Cellar. We are sponsored by Craft Beer Cellar, a craft beer bottle shop whose primary focus has always been the best beer that they can get their hands on. They search for beers made in breweries just down the street or on the other side of the world that are well-crafted and good examples of what excellent beer should be. Visit craftbeercellar.com, that's C-E-L-L-A-R, for a location near you. And you can win free beer from Craft Beer Cellar, one of these uh, gift card beauties here if you're watching the video. Um, you can join our conversation. You can follow us on Twitter at Pub Theology using the hashtag PTLive. Comment on Facebook uh, at theology or pretty much on our pages as well and comment at any time not just during the live show but anytime you're listening to this podcast which you can find on soundcloud stitcher itunes i think we're gonna work to get it up on google play if you happen to use google play for your podcatching and as always we are here tuesday nights on the youtubes at 9 p.m streaming live and i do highly encourage you that if you want to get some of the fun pre-show and post-show banter uh, to watch the video. We, we started the, the stream a little late, so you missed out on all the fun uh, microphone talk um, that we had. That may not have but been. if you want to hear the correct ways to pronounce Southern cities' names, you can tune into the pre-game. That was, that was on. <laughs> that, that, that was on. And in case you are not recognizing that voice, I'll tell you about who is who's, uh, crashing our show tonight in a, in a second. There we go. Well, tonight we will talk about the challenge of change, how change can affect our identity, and how those around us might respond uh, when we ourselves change. We'll also discuss how do you make choices in the spiritual journey, and we may even ponder whether systematic theology has been a good thing. Plus, perhaps a few surprises if we get to them. Well, my name's uh, Brian Burkoff. I am uh, in Michigan, a pastor on the west side of the state at Holland UCC and the author of the book Pub Theology. And tonight I am drinking an Oddsides Ales Bean Flicker. It is a blonde ale with coffee, and I got to read this description. It says, it is a satisfying stimulation of sessionable self-exploration. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's very witty. A little over the top. And with us, as always, is Ogan Holder, and he will also introduce our guest for the night. Wait, did you say it was a bean something? What did you say about the bear? It was a bean... It's a bean flicker. It's a blonde ale with coffee beans. Oh, that's the name of it, bean flicker. Okay, I know what was going on. You know, we... I'm sorry. We not not long ago had a coffee blonde, and it just, like, blew my mind. I was like, I'm drinking blonde beer that tastes like coffee. I don't know what to do. (laughs) 
blew her mind. Uh, <laughs> I am Reverend Hogan Holder here in uh, Unity on the River, or rather the minister at Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts. I am drinking tonight um, an Allagash Black. Mm, yummy. Black is beautiful. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to expand and get back into, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the stouts, but uh, I, I'm, I'm branching out. It's a Belgian-style stout, and it is delicious. Dark and roasted with notes of chocolate, kind of like me. Our guest tonight, our guest tonight, sitting in for Tina, is uh, someone I met and instantly connected with at uh, the UNCO um, conference, which a couple weeks ago, we had another guest that I met at. Uh, Unco, uh, Derek, and this is this is Derek's uh, better two thirds. I'm not even gonna give him a whole. <laughs> I'm giving her two thirds and him a third. I, I think uh, he might agree with that. So I think he might, uh, this is Reverend Shannon Meacham. She's the pastor of Ashland Presbyterian Church um, in Baltimore, just outside Baltimore. Um, tell us what you're drinking and. Give us, give us, give us who you are in like, you know, 30 seconds. Sure. Well, my beer is going to take longer than that. So just give me a second because I am not kidding. Um, my beer is Clown Shoes Brewery Space Cake IPA. Oh, wow. <laughs> right? So um, Yum. we have a local little liquor store that know us by name. It's like Cheers. And, you know, every time we walk in, they're like, you, you know, we walk away like, is it really bad that like the liquor store people know us by name? But I think it's a good thing. I've embraced it. And they sell growlers, which is very um, environmentally friendly. So I'm drinking out of my lovely Stormtrooper mug, which has been um, hurt in the dishwasher many times. But it is delicious, just so you know. But um, yeah, Clown Shoes Space Cake IPA. There it is. Well done. <laughs> Um, so 30 seconds about me. Um, I I don't know. You, you, I have, um, I have, I have kids. I have, um, like my partner, I live outside Baltimore. I don't know. Like, I'm just kind of this, I'm an experience. Like you just, you're just going to have to listen and find out and you're going to love me or hate me. I'm kind of an all or nothing girl. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's, that sums it up. <laughs> right? Like, Fantastic. like well, what welcome. else should I say? <laughs> welcome, well, Shannon. Great here. to have you. You're here, so we love you. Oh, thanks. There you go. And really, thanks for having me. Absolutely. You're more than Absolutely. welcome. We are in for a treat tonight, I think. And we are going to start off. We all have uh, beverages in hand. And we're going to talk uh, change. And so our opening question is, in your experience, which is a more difficult change? Uh, moving to another city? Switching schools, changing churches, switching political parties, or going from smooth to crunchy peanut butter, or maybe going from a to a stout. You you make the choice there. Well, it's the peanut butter. It's the peanut butter thing. Like the peanut, your your style of peanut butter, uh, pretty much is like the definition of who you are. You're either, you know, you're not, you draw a line there. I'm, I'm a smooth peanut butter person. Okay. I want to spread my peanut butter and I don't want to be chewing pieces. I don't want to be like, you know, breaking a tooth or something on a piece of peanut on my peanut butter. I want to get in, want to spread it nice and smooth and flat. It's a, it's a smooth thing to try and make a transition. 
you know, yeah, it's it's like it's like you know, glass half empty, glass half full. People, you, you know, you got you got to pick a side. See, I yeah. like life to be hard. I like my peanut butter crunchy. I need to like grapple with the you know toughness, and and I like things to be as organic as possible. So like as close to the original. Uh, well done, well done. I mean, you, yeah, that's, that's early point for Shannon. I think uh, you well, grapple with existential challenges by having that crunchy peanut butter, and you're ready for the day. Right. Sometimes we need the comfort, though. <laughs> We need the smooth comfort. Yeah, I, 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 I like Ogan will opt for the lazier option and hope that my <laughs> coffee d- um, does the part that maybe the crunchy could also be doing. Uh, but I went through a crunchy phase, but it lasted less than a year, I think. I will actually put real peanuts on my crunchy, extra crunchy peanut butter sandwich. Oh, this is too much. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't start my day working, I can't start my day working that hard. Like, I gotta that ramp is, up into the day. If my breakfast is gonna be that much of a rustle and match, no, no. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for breakfast, though. So, <laughs> not gonna happen. Yeah, when do you, do you not eat peanut butter for breakfast? Is it a later in the day thing? Um, usually my peanut butter comes late at night when I'm making my kids lunches for the next day and it comes by the finger full. Like, there we go. Don't tell Derek. (laughs) I think peanut butter is, is the one like, um, non meal defined food. Yes. I I, I eat it at breakfast. I'll eat it for lunch. I'll just snack on it, uh, snack on the peanuts themselves, have it for dinner. I, I, I don't think it can be pigeonholed. In, in, into a group or a breakfast category, a meal category. It, def- it defies, yeah, it defies, defies any meal genre. But, so can right, I throw so a little, I'm sorry, can I throw a little change agent in here for you? No, please do. I only buy creamy peanut butter now, despite the fact that I like it, because it is easier for my children. Mm. Well, so. let me ask you this. Um, Hold on, Mom. How was, how was the switch for you? Like, like any, I mean, really, when we're going to talk about change in all seriousness, you have to talk about compromise. Like you just, you find a way to do that. And for me, you know, you're not supposed to give your kids peanuts till they're like two years old now or peanut butter because they might be allergic because, you know, kids are allergic to everything. And so, um, you know, even then you're giving them like very smooth, you know, creamy things like they're six months old again. Um, so you're introducing peanut butter in this slow kind of natural way. And um, so we started out that way. So it was like, oh, someday we'll switch to crunchy. And then, um, you know, we have two, sometimes four kids in this house. And I buy in bulk because I'm on a budget and they don't make crunchy peanut butter in bulk. They make creamy peanut butter in bulk. So it was a two sided decision. So you answered my question because I was going to be, why don't you just buy two jars and, you know, which might, people might say, well, that's twice as much, but you have two jars. So the last twice as long. So I think it's right. like a zero sum gain and everybody kind of wins. Because for me, compromise, when you talk about compromise and at some point we're going to get off the peanut butter and back to life issues. But I think the metaphor is working right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you think about compromise, we often interpret compromise as one person has to give up. Right. But, really want um i tend to gravitate to more towards the both and how can we make this so that we both get our needs met that's why i'm buying two jars of peanut butter from with somebody who likes the crunchy and i like the smooth 
And again, last twice as long, zero-sum game. There you go. There you go. I had a peanut butter stout last night uh, while watching the debate, and I have to say it was amazing. Was it Sweet Baby Jesus? Because that is brewed right here in Baltimore. It was not. This was uh, from Dangerous Man Brewing in Minneapolis. Declaw makes a delicious peanut butter stout called Sweet Baby Jesus, which they have now banned in Ohio because apparently it's, you know, against God or something. Oh, man. I need to get my hands on some of that. Sounds awesome. Oh, so good. I'll send you some. Because God doesn't, God doesn't like peanuts in his beer. And I get or, that. Or God doesn't like beer? Excuse me. No, that, that's not right. No, yeah, it doesn't like God doesn't like beer. Peanuts. That's heresy right there. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I freely admit that sometimes you can't have a both and. Sometimes life choices dictate that you got to choose one, like some of those scenarios. You know, move into a city. Like if you know you got a couple and super great job comes up in another place, and you right. know, got to decide: are we going to stay where we, you know, got community and we got connections, or are we going to move for the better job? Are we going to uh, put our kids in a different school because this one isn't working so well? Or you know, are we going to switch to a different uh, religious point of view, go to a different church, uh, embrace a different? Uh, theological approach to life i think yeah those are in some cases you can incorporate elements of your choices but yeah in some cases you gotta pick one or the other so one of the interesting things when you guys sent me this and i was read through this question is i was like huh i've done every single one of those things like i've made every single one of those like changes that um one i mean makes me feel kind of old and two um it's just like really interesting that um you know i I think it's also and and just a natural part of growth in whatever way you grow you know um i i grew up in a small town and i actually uh, had lunch with a friend who grew up in that same town and we went to the same church um and whatever and we both like couldn't get out of there fast enough. Right. And, um, we not even badly, but we were talking about the people that stayed cause it's just one of those towns where you stay and just kind of commenting, like, I, I can't imagine staying. I can't imagine having to be that person that I was, or even as I grow. And I, I watched friends on Facebook that are still there and their kids are going to the elementary school I went to, we went to, and the middle school we went to. And I'm like, how do you define yourself as a person still there? You know, it's, it's, it's baffling to me. Like for me, change is terrifying and exciting, you know? Well, for some people, it's too terrifying to do it, but, (laughs) but some people also, um, also, um, take comfort or clear about where they are works for them. And I'm thinking about, you know, me coming from a whole other country, you know, in Barbados and people who are there who've traveled around the world and seen, you know, all different countries and peoples and cultures still come back home and go, why would, why would I ever leave here? This is, this is where I belong. So, so, you know, there's, there's that aspect to it. And interestingly enough, the older I'm getting, the more I'm saying to myself, yeah, moving back home might not be such a bad idea. If another reason to get me out of this Arctic zone, (laughs) but, (laughs) but, but I'm beginning to, to, you know, uh, develop a deeper appreciation for where I am from, you know, all, all it's, all is false and, and craziness, um, notwithstanding, 
um, it may be something that happens eventually. Yeah. 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 Um, so Shannon, I heard you saying that change um, brings with it growth. And so that when you do, when you make a move to a new place, you can't rely upon old networks of friends or old ways of being. You're, you're forced out of yourself to learn new things about yourself and to challenge yourself to be a new form of yourself even. And I think there's definitely something to that. And I think that's part of the gift of change, but also why sometimes we resist change because it's, it's hard. Well, and for me, it, it, and not to like, it's both right. And, and not to like keep talking about, Oh, it's these two things, but so I moved, um, I spent my whole life in Kentucky and Tennessee. I grew up, um, an hour outside of Nashville in Kentucky. My dad lived in Nashville. So I grew up in both these States And um, when I was 25, I graduated from seminary. My first call was in Albany, New York. So just a completely different world. In all honesty, a completely different world. I preached one of my first sermons on racism, and I was literally told at the end of it that racism was over. And I had never, never in my life heard, like, understood. In seminary, I, I heard the term the liberal elite, And, you know, me, I'm going, how can liberal be bad? And this was also a change for me, right? Very um, conservative, racist, um, Republican household and my own growth through my faith to a progressive, you know, um, liberal, blah, 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 all the names. And I'm hearing this term liberal elite in seminary and I didn't get it. And then I run up to Albany and I'm like, Oh, that's what they're talking about. Because that ability to be like, that doesn't exist anymore because we, we took care of that. That's a check Mark. And I thought you guys are. And and so again, that to me was that like inability to get out of that comfort zone and, and say, you know, because they didn't even want to look at their own community and they're good people, but they just didn't, you know, they just didn't want to do it. And so as much as it was getting outside of myself, it was also taking a look, a good hard look at like, well, who am I really? And who do I want to be in this place? Because you do get a clean slate in a lot of ways um, of, of with new people. Like same thing when you transition to a new church, like I've been in ministry almost 15 years. I've developed a really solid pastoral identity, but when I switched churches, like some things changed, some really bad habits changed for, for good. And, and stuff that is you, I mean, I think you can do in your place, but it's significantly harder because they've kind of labeled you in this one way or the other, or, you know, let's be honest, if you make a mistake, especially when you're young, it's hard to get over, you know, just all kinds of things like that. Did you uh, take your congregation home for a field trip to show them that <laughs> racism really isn't over? Here's the thing. I wouldn't have had to. I had to drive them five miles south to North okay. Albany, where that is an all-black community that is extremely poor, which, I mean, we live five miles outside of downtown Albany, which is the capital of New York. So big, big right. deal. You could see downtown from my house, which I lived right next door to the church in advance. And I would say something about going downtown for dinner and people would be like, Oh, we don't go downtown. And I'm like, it's, Uh, I can walk there. Like I can, I like it's five miles. It's not far. Oh, we don't, we don't go there. Like it's, it's just interesting. (laughs) 
I, I had an interesting experience this Sunday whereby um, um, my church is, I'd say, 99% white congregation. And you're the one percent. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. There are some Sundays where uh, the only two people who are not white are me and uh, the guy from uh, Puerto Rico who's on my board. Like <laughs> it's it's the two of us holding down the you know the multiracial uh, element of the church uh, right there. Um, but you know, sweetest, sweetest, most loving, compassionate, supportive people, and. It's been interesting because a few of them are like, you know, I've given some talks in the past about it, um, about what's happening, you know, with all the police shootings and and the Black Lives Matter movement and why it's important that it matters to us and, you know, some things we can do to be vocal about it. But this past Sunday was the first Sunday that um, I, I took a stab at talking about white privilege Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's nothing more awkward for me than me being the one black person standing in front of a sea of white telling them about white privilege and, uh, and, and, and not to feel guilty about your white privilege, but to recognize that it is a thing, mm-hmm. that it is a real thing. Um, yeah. and, and maybe here's what you can do about that and explain a little bit of the history behind how you got to this place of white privilege. Um, so it was, it was a, it was, I, I've never, it was a while, it's been a long time since I was anxious about mm. giving a talk, but, but it was well received. And I was going to say, how many letters have you gotten? <laughs> no, no letters, but many people saying, thank you for addressing it. Thank you for speaking about it because we wonder, we wonder what we do as people who are, who are, you know, spiritually and religiously minded, um, you know, especially in, in a new thought community, which often takes the approach of we, we see it right before we try to set it right. Um, so, so it's, it's more about the introspection and the self transformation as opposed to going out and being in action. And I always say, um, all that, all the introspective looking is really, um, it's good, but it's 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 not where it needs to end. We have to do things, and that doing things is a lot. You got a lot of options. No one's saying you need to like you know go stand in front of the police in their riot gear, shooting tear gas at you. If you feel led to do that, by all means, go do it. But there's so many other options you can do. But to do nothing is not an option. <laughs> yeah, well done. Not so much an option. So. Um, Shannon, Shannon, I'm wondering about, as you mentioned, going through a little bit of a... You guys getting an echo on me? Yeah, I got an echo on you. Hmm. Echo, echo. Let me work on that. I'm I'm being discriminated against. I don't get the echo. All right. (laughs) Really? How about about now? I still got it. All right. Well, anyway, ask your question. So I was going to ask, as you went on a journey coming from where you did um, and sort of religious perspective that you had as a child, maybe political way of seeing the world. And it sounds like you went on a bit of a journey. How did that journey affect those close to you, family, friends who might not have been on that same journey? 
You know, it, it's interesting. Um, and and let me let me ask what Brian is really trying to ask. Do they still talk to you? Do they? No, still- but I don't talk to them. So you know, um, <laughs> you try no, to stop battling, but that's but, the real question. But let's be honest; it's for completely different reasons. <laughs> completely other reasons. Um, actually, my my sister is the best example, right? So my my. My sister will often say that um, we grew up in the same household, like we lived in the same house, but we grew up in two different households, I guess. And like a lot of that has to do with us and we are two very, very different people. Um, and and all of this buildup is to say, I love you, Sarah. Um, not that she'll ever listen to this, but anyway, there it is. Um, one of the, but she, she was so interesting to me. So a lot of we, she and I wanted very different things out of life. Um, she is an accomplished musician. Um, she has a master's in conducting. She is a public school teacher for music. She does wonderful, wonderful things. Um, and, and for both of us, and we grew up in very rocky family kind of situation, what was important to us was a good family and she married into a very Southern solid family, which is what she wanted. And she married a guy from Auburn, Alabama, and um, who was Southern Baptist, which we were for a long time. Um, and then I s- switched over to Presbyterian um, and kind of for a while, my whole family like followed. Um, side note, my stepfather, who's no longer my stepfather, which is another reason I don't talk to these people anymore. But anyway, he <laughs> he went to a Presbyterian church one day with with um, us, and he walked away, grew up Southern Baptist, wanted so bad to, like, just usher, but because he had been divorced, couldn't, like, couldn't even usher at his church, couldn't do anything. He walked away, and he goes, I had no idea that you could come out of church and not feel bad about yourself. Wow. And wow. so, yeah. And so he, um, at, the, at the time, he and my mom like switched to a Presbyterian church, although it was a rural, small church. That's fine. Even still conservative Presbyterian. It was still at least that in terms of um, the aspect of you are not a terrible, terrible, terrible person who God hates, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, so anyway, when my sister married um, Jeff, her husband, they started talking about, well, where are we going to go to church? Where are we going to raise our kids? Where are we going to all these things? And she looked at him very plainly and said, my sister is a minister and I, I want to go to the best church for us. I want to go to the right fit, but I will not go anywhere where they do not ordain women. And like, honestly, I'm getting choked up because it was such a first, a huge thing to say to her husband and her husband's family. And what a huge support of me to Mm. say, I will commit my family for the rest of my life to not support a church that would not ordain women, that would tell women that they could not be called by God to this position. That Um, is awesome. Right. And so part of it is you witness without like my own spiritual growth witness to this world of people that loved me um, that I didn't even know I was witnessing. Like that wasn't the intention. 
if you will. Um, and yet it happened anyway. And, you know, of course, um, hello, the story of God, right? But, you know, none, nonetheless, like it, that's how it happens is I didn't have to say, I didn't ask her to do that. I didn't tell her to do that. I didn't give her some big lecture and I didn't walk up with signs outside her door and say, Southern Baptist churches are bad. You know, I, I just was me. And yeah. she loved me enough to say, and, and actually she's gone on to have two beautiful girls. And she said, I'm, I, there's no way, like I would never go somewhere that would tell them that they are less than anybody else. So that to me was the biggest kind of family, my change influencing the family um, in all of that. Yeah. Very cool. We love you too, sis. Well done. <laughs> And please watch. We know you might not, but watch it anyways. Well, I'll, I'll tell her then. There's a shout out. There you go. You know, it's 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 so funny that you mentioned that. I got a call from my daughter this morning um, and uh, belated happy birthday to her. She just turned 16 last oh. uh, Thursday. Ooh, happy, happy birthday, birthday Joy. Yeah, blowing, blowing my mind that I'm the parent of a 16 I was going to say, and God bless you, because I am not ready for that. <laughs> My, the the only the only the only shred of hope is that there's only one. I only got one that I got to handle. Just one, <sighs> just one, one and only. <laughs> just, I I look at you people who've got multiple kids running around <laughs> the place, and I'm just like, ah, I no, I'd have lost. I, I will fully admit I love having four children in my life, but the idea of four learners permits is just not a <laughs> fun idea. Oh, yeah, Brian's got four as well, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a houseful, as you know, Shannon. Mm-hmm. Houseful of love, joy, and chaos. Um, so, so she, right now she's at uh, at the beach um, with um, Jennifer's family, um, and they too are um, Baptists. <clears throat> they too are South. They too are conservative. They too are, a, you know, very traditional in their Christian approach. And last night was the presidential debate. And, and it was, it was on, you know, they were watching it apparently. And Joy called me this morning and said, so we watched the debate last night. I just needed to talk to you. <laughs> I just needed to know there was love in the world. Please just help me understand. And, you know, again, I don't think they will ever be watching this, but on the offshoot chance that they are, they, they are, and I'm not just saying this because they might be listening, truly most love and supportive people in the world. And, and they, they love us and, and, you know, they're, they're people I can lean on, call up, depend on, you know, all, all, all that stuff, all that stuff. Um, but, but yes, different, different views about things like politics and, and religion and, Joy just Joy just called me up and said, "Let's yeah, let's let's talk about the debate. I need to hear some. I need to talk to somebody who may be on the other side of what I was just sitting in all night uh, last night." But the interesting piece is, I said, "So, so I said, so I'm I'm a little surprised knowing them the way I know them. Are are they going to be voting for Trump? They're like, oh no, they don't support they don't support Trump at all. They're that's you know they they think he's a lunatic, but." But their values, still mm-hmm. um, conservative values, again, which I'm not calling good or bad, right or wrong here, but their conservative values are not the values that we hold. So for her to be in that was challenging, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, and I think it's, it's in many ways harder, you know, to speak to your situation, Shannon, 
for the people around us who bring us up in a certain way of being, a certain point of view, a certain approach, to see us switch to something different, it's almost, you know, many people take it as saying, you think you're better than us, you don't value what we hold, that what we're doing is wrong, you've turned your back on us, you've betrayed us. Many people take when you switch your values, even just switching your, like, religious approach, your view of God, when you switch it, people take that personally and you know families are torn apart people don't speak for decades because of things like this it's it's and and for me that's what blows my mind that that we we still live in a world where we can't agree to disagree Mm -hmm. and realize that it's healthy to disagree to healthy to bring um opposing and different views to to the conversation and she was so funny. She said, you know, based on last night's conversation, she says, you would think Obamacare is the worst thing in the world. What exactly is wrong with Obamacare? <laughs> <laughs> we had a nice oh, conversation, informative yeah. conversation about Obamacare in which I said, you know, yeah, there's, there's a, one can argue, and rightly so, there are a lot of flaws with it. It's not the perfect system, but here's the truth. Without it, you and I would not have health insurance right now. And without it, so many people and children with pre-existing conditions wouldn't have health insurance. So I said to her, please feel empowered. I said, what did you say? She says, I didn't say anything. I, you know, given the fact that I was kind of like a number four to one, um, I just kind of sat there and didn't say anything. And I said, I need, I said, first, probably wise, but at the same time, as you're getting older, please feel empowered to share where you are. Um, but share from a point of being an informed person, not just sharing opinions. So while one can have many faults, and I use the Obamacare example with that system, one of the uh, the truths about it is provable facts is that, yeah, there are millions more who now have health insurance who didn't have before. And that's that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. So... You know, I said always, always, always share your point of view with facts. And I know for some people, facts don't matter a whole lot. If you watched the debate last night, <laughs> facts don't matter a whole lot to some people. But, but, but argue well, the, with facts. The same comes true with when you get in a Bible something fight. You know, a Bible a, a, a verse fight. You know, it's, it's <laughs> the best kind. Right. I mean, well, really, you know, like we always joke, actually, there's a big joke going around um, right now in our house that um, Derek, who grew up very evangelical and Carol Howard Merritt should do like we want to like do a sword drills, you know, with them. Like yes. <laughs> because, you know, I grew up with sword drills and he grew up with sword yeah. drills. And like we That's all awesome. did, right? Exactly. And like I can I can throw out my verses just as easily, but that isn't the point to me in terms of like when you talk about what is fact it isn't just one like little tidbit that you're pulling out it it is a spectrum of things um i actually as it says in lamentations 212 exactly i'm using the word bible and facts in the same god knows what lamentations 212 is and somebody's gonna look it up (laughs) look at it bible gateway quick um Using the word Bible and facts in the same sentence mm-hmm. always is always inviting trouble. Cause, it's terrifying. It you just know. Is. Like, well, is, and, 
And we can get into whole, like, what is the Greek? What is the Hebrew that had no vowels? And so we don't really know, like all of it, like it, it, it is two terrifying, like kind of sentences side by side, but, but also when we talk about like the arc of, of change, we can look at the same thing scripturally, like what we find important, what is important and what is like the underlying truths, you know, and, and that underlying truth of God's love always being there. Um, that like love will win over hate or, um, light will win over darkness. You know, those are, those are themes over and over and over again, how we define light and dark is when things become very difficult. Um, Yes. I mean, in all reality. And, you know, actually, Ogan, as you were talking, I kept thinking about um, there was that it it went very viral, but there was that um, Humans of New York story about Hillary Clinton when she was taking the LSAT or, you know, whatever test she was taking for her law school. Um, And how, you know, how hard she had to get in order to do what she wanted to do. And honestly, like I, I cried over that story because even though she was doing it in, you know, the 1970s, like I did a very similar thing in ministry and, and you know what? And I was lucky because I still had 20 years of women coming before me doing it, but I get it like that. We, we change, um, you know, I've been helping, I mean, I haven't been um, running, I didn't run Uncode this year, but I was running it several years before. And these conferences over and over and over again, we would talk about how um, ministry makes us hard because we've, we've had to build this tough skin. That's the, that's the language for me that's just always very irritating. Like, well, you just need tougher skin. And I was like, you know, I really don't think I do. You don't need, I don't need thick skin. Like I don't need thin skin either, but I'm a human being and I want to be me and I, I want to go out there, but that, that means that I get hurt sometimes. And that means that I hurt you sometimes because honestly, if I had that thick of a skin, I wouldn't give, can I curse on this? I wouldn't give a shit if if you got hurt or not. Well, apparently you are. Um, it's just part yeah. of my rhetoric, but you know, nonetheless, like I wouldn't care. And I really think that we need to care. And I think what your daughter did was quite beautiful was to say, one, I need to have my safe space, right? Yeah. I need to call you dad. I need to have my safe space and I need to go, I love them, but what is wrong with them? You know? <laughs> and then she also needs to be able to have that compassion to say, but I do care about what they think because I do love them. Yeah. But Again, you have to be informed in that. We can't just have this back and forth debate. Um, and we have to look yeah. at the fact that, you know, again, something struck me today, and this really isn't a pro-Hillary ad. It's like, it took me a lot to be convinced about Hillary. It really did. But I get teary. I, I get teary at the idea of a first woman president. I just do. Um, because, and, then, because then sexism will be over. Of course. I mean, it's over. Racism is over since Obama, right? Like, oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> no, and in fact, actually, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I was up till 3 a.m. last night. I did not watch the debate, but I was up till 3 a.m. just knowing what had happened. Yeah. And I barely looked on social media, but just knowing what had happened and genuinely being in fear that no matter what happens in November, this is not over. It is not over. Like, the divide of hate, like... 
this change that has happened in our political world, and it really is that, I mean, it really is a change that has happened, um, is terrifying to me, just downright terrifying. And, and like I always say, things, things get worse before they get better. I, mm-hmm. I truly think, I truly think this is the, um, the, the, the beginning of the end of the chaos of the, right. of, of, of everything that is negative about who we are as a people in this country. Mm. I think it's the beginning of the end of it because, because the loudest people, the, the, the supporters of, and, and I'm painting with a broad brush here, of course, but you know, the vast majority of the, of the base that supports Donald Trump are those who are screaming out against change. They're screaming out against change and change is inevitable. And saying, we need to make America great again. In other words, we need to go perhaps backwards. Well, and I, I mean, everybody's asking this question. I mean, not, maybe not everybody, but every, like so many people are asking the same question that I am is when was America great? Really? Right. Like yeah. I, and, and I asked that same question for the 19, church. 1983. Cause that's when Goonies came out. Um, I don't know. I just made that up. Well, I mean, in the church, it's 1962. That was our prime era. That was for the Protestant church. That was our like mainline peak. And so that's the era that was perfect. Everything was perfect in 1962. And there, there is this, unless you're black. No, exactly. No doubt there. And that's the point. There is this concept that, um, that there was this time that was so fantastic for all of us. And it's simply not true. And, and, and Hillary, like for me, and, and you know what, I honestly, I've, I've been hesitating. Like I, I hate even calling her Hillary. Cause to me, that is such um, like Madam secretary. Like I, I just, I feel like yeah. it is, un, it is it's just not proper to call her by her first name. I feel that it's demeaning. And yet, what's the first thing I do when I walk into church and people are like, what should I call you? And I'm like, call me Shannon. That's my name, you know, like, <laughs> you know, because I don't need the title. But at the same time, it's like I like the I Twitter do? handle, though. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm. Well, <laughs> my, um, but yeah, it just is one of those things that I think we have to get to the point that there is a line of respect that we want to have. And there is a line that you do say, what is what is important? What is presidential? What is a minister? What is all of these kind of characters that I spend so much time breaking down the walls of and yet going, but we don't want to take away all of those privileges. You know, I, I really don't want somebody in the Oval Office that doesn't know what they're doing, that doesn't have any idea um, what's going on in the rest of the world or in this country. And I think and, you know, so and it's, I'm stepping it's, off my soapbox now. If you can't see, <laughs> what is the box? But it, but it lends it lends back to that question that we started: the, the difficulty of change. Yes, um, and 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 that's what it is. We you know change is going to happen, evolution is going to happen in, in in terms of us as a as a country, a nation, a world, a people. We're we're going to evolve, and and there are always going to be those who resist change. Why? Because of fear. Because whatever's next down that road of change that we don't know could potentially be scary, or at least we make it up in our minds that it's scary. And what we conveniently forget is every other time we've changed before in the past, we survived. 
We mm-hmm. came out okay. Might have been some bumps and scratches along the way, but we did okay. And and the other piece about change that um, that I feel we should talk about is is the grief that comes with it because there's a genuine sense of loss that always comes with change. And we go through grief and we got to prepare ourselves to, to, to recognize that. So in some ways take, be, be compassionate. Those of us who are, you know, like gung ho for change and have become comfortable with change and ready to like blast forward into the future, be compassionate for those who change is difficult and there is a lot of sense of loss of who they are and what has been meaningful for them for better or for worse. Um, and the, and the one caveat is of course, you know, if what was meaningful for you was, you know, oppressing and hurting other people, well, then I don't. Uh, right. <laughs> then suck it up and move on. No, struggle, no. Struggle, struggle. <laughs> yeah. So well, I was having this, uh, conversation, uh, this week, uh, with my dad and I grew up in a very, uh, straightforward, um, conservative-ish, religious, um, reformed tradition where there's one truth and one God and Jesus in the church, and we had that figured out. And I'm in the process of moving into a, uh, well, into the United Church of Christ, a more, um, a more progressive-minded uh, denomination than what I'm coming from. Which is just a pit stop for you coming <laughs> That's all that is. Let's just call right, it, so, it it's a pit stop. <laughs> conversation about how, you know, I was saying how there's some reformed, there's a good chunk of reformed history in the UCC. I said, but yet what the UCC has done is evolved to a space where there is diversity of views. And my dad said, well, that, you know, that makes me very uncomfortable. And I think that's actually wrong. Mm-hmm. And well, I think it's wrong when there isn't space for a diversity of views. And so it's just this, you know, this total different mentality, even about how do we think about God or the church or Jesus or the Bible. And when there's a only one way sort of view, I get that there's fear about opening up to a wider spectrum. And yet my own experiences again and again taught me that there's so much more truth out there. Um, in the variety of Christian history, let alone other religious traditions, that I'm, I want to avail myself of those things and learn from them and, and grow. And yet, if you're on the, where my dad is, those things are all seen as threat and something to convert to a different way of thinking. And so I think that's part of what the larger, I think that reflects the larger challenges we have in society where Sometimes it's thought there's only one way and anything different is a threat. Man, how do you, how do you move forward with, with that? So here's, 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 here's my little devil's advocate thing to what you're saying. Um, yes, I do support the diversity of ideas and learning from different places. But my thing is, I don't think we're ever going to really go as deep as we potentially can unless we pick one way. And I don't care which way it is. It, no, all, all, all paths, all roads lead to Rome, they used to say. Um, you know, I really, I really love the Taoist um, imagery, the Taoist metaphor of, of the Tao is the center of the wheel and their spokes, and all the spokes lead towards the center. So if you use that image, and in, in the image, the center of the wheel is, is empty. You know, traditional wheel, there's a hub, and the spokes connect up to the hub, but the, but the center is really empty, uh, conveying the... Um, the ultimate unknowingness that God is and all these spokes will lead into the center. 
I believe that when we just keep pulling from from different paths, religions, movements, whatever, which again, valuable in order to kind of get a big picture, we're kind of like skirting around on the outside of the wheel. If you really want to get to the center, you know, my my view is we pick a path, whatever it is, and and follow that to the center, really get deep into the study of it. So if you want to pick, you know, Christianity, yes, even if it's traditional Christianity or evangelical Christianity, sure, go with it, but understand that Christianity, yeah, study the mystical part of Christianity as well and let that also take you in to to the center where ultimately then you're kind of on your own. Pick a path, pick Buddhism, Hinduism. I, I don't care what you pick, but but just to keep um, um, uh, picking up pieces around the edge isn't going to get you into the center. So uh, uh, just what? All right. So Anna Carter nice, Florence. Nice <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's my specialty. Um, so Anna Carter Florence is this preaching professor at Columbia Seminary, Presbyterian, blah, blah, blah. And I heard her preach once and she gave one of the most beautiful sermons I've ever heard. And then she gave this talk afterwards. And I don't know if she thought of this on her own or if she took it from somebody else, but I'm giving her credit because I heard it from her. And she said something that was really helpful to me, which or to us, but she was speaking directly to me in my heart. Like, of course she was there. Of course we're she the ones who showed up <laughs> So she said, you know, we always say over and over again, us progressive Christians, like don't put God in a box, right? Don't ever put God in a box. That's bad. And she said, you know, there's nothing wrong with a box. There's nothing wrong with having parameters and saying, I do not believe in a God that says you miscarried your baby and you're being punished for something. I do not believe in that God. There's nothing wrong with having a parameter. And then she said, just don't put a lid on it. And I was like, right? What? I was like, yes. An open box. An open box, right? I love it. I I like that. There are some universal truths for me that are unshakable. Like, and people say, well, what is that? And I said, okay, God is love. Yeah. Like that to me is non-negotiable. God is not hate. God is love and God is inclusive. Whatever that may mean in this moment, which means um, I'm to be on the side of the oppressed, like over, like the truly oppressed, not the evangelical white Christians that claim to be oppressed, right? So like I am to be on the side of the people that are oppressed. And that, by the way, some Jewish scholar that I forget his name, sorry, um, is mentioned more times in the Old Testament than any other commandment is that we are to be on the side or some um, version of we are to be on the side of the widow, the orphan, or the stranger. Like that is the greatest commandment of the Old Testament over and over, like 700 and something times. So those are my parameters, right? But how you view that, how I view that, how, how we all do that, and how I experience God in those ways is the idea that the box does not close. And to say, I am not open to other people's, like I am not open to the diversity of wrestling with Christianity is hard for me because it's putting a lid on the box. 
Like, I want a closed box where I only hear from people who think like me. I don't want to be challenged. And I say that as somebody who, like, kind of used to be there, right? Like, I kind of used to say, no, this is so much more comforting. This is, like, it goes back to right to the beginning of what we were talking about. Like, it's so much more comforting to have all the answers. And now that terrifies me of the idea that I would have all the answers. It just... That is just not the way my I'm life has turned out. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. So, yeah, you know, you can have a box. Just don't put a lid on it. Don't put and a, a lid. Carter Florence. <laughs> I might use that sometime. That's awesome. I use it all the time. I mean, it's been 10 years since I heard it, and that, it never fails me. It really doesn't. How do we, how do we feel about crates, like, you know, plastic crates? Well, but, you know, crates <laughs> don't have a solid, you know, it oozes out the side. Oh, yeah. Is there enough? You know what we call crates in Kentucky, right? What's that? Uh Uh-oh. Furniture. (laughs) (laughs) She's from the the South. She can make (laughs) That is fantastic. That is fantastic. (laughs) The rest of us can't. The rest of us can't so much. Um, So so we have this, uh, in our moments left here, uh, I want to read this quote from Angelus Arian, who says, There comes a time in the spiritual journey when you start making choices from a very different place. And if a choice lines up so that it supports truth, health, happiness, wisdom, and love, it's the right choice. Mm. I'm just wondering what you guys think about that. I think it's a very beautiful sentence. Um, <laughs> I, would, I, would amend, I, th- I would amend it because... <laughs> Yeah, um, and and maybe this is maybe he's implying this in this truth, health, happiness, wisdom, and love, but not just for yourself, but for those around you. Like, oh, look at you expanding I, the circle. I'm just saying, I you know, what is that phrase? When I'm lifted up, I I, I lift all others unto me as well. It's it's a rising now. tide lifts all boats. There you go. <laughs> got, got. A rising tide sinks all boats. If you're a West Wing fan. <laughs> <laughs> Well done. Get well done. On point, man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I so because I can make choices that support my health, happiness, and you know, and my right. love and all that. That that puts others down along the way. I'm stepping on others to get. To that. Yeah, it could be a very ego centered, self absorbed. So, so yeah, choice, which is not, right. Yeah. I mean, the that things that make me happy aren't necessarily good for the world, right? Like. Hmm. Um, it's a bummer I, when that happens. So much so. <laughs> so much. You know, it, it, this is really interesting. I, I, I was, when I was trying to find my new way of theology in life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ha, like, the theology I was taught was, you know, basically kind of, it, it, it was simultaneously live for God and live for yourself. It was very weird. It was a very weird juxtaposition for me. And when I started to kind of go out on my own, and this this was in my um, college years when I'm getting my bachelor, and um, I was a music major, and then I switched to kind of religious studies, but um, I kept the music degree because it paid for school. So anyway, um, <laughs> oh, well. What was your instrument? I didn't know you were a music major. What was your instrument? Um, so I did voice and clarinet, and, I, and, and part of this was I do not play clarinet anymore because... Um, it was a very natural ability and it was like, this is, so I got my call to seminary when I was 18 and I went to, I had, I had been going to this Presbyterian church for a while. And the story is, is that they needed a vocalist because their paid soprano and their paid tenor 
got in a fight and broke up. And so they needed another soprano anyway. So blah, 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 blah. So I actually like somebody's breakup, like their stupid college breakup got me to church and I'm here where I am today. Um, so anyway, the, the point God, like, works, God works in mysterious ways. So much so. Old. <laughs> Whoever that girl was at that party that made him, you know, whatever. Thank you so much. <laughs> So like I, but I, I ran from it like all good 18 year olds do. They run from the thing that they're scared of. And um, so I started studying, you know, I did religious studies. I had to take a lot of religions um, in, in all of this time. And I have totally forgotten one. Oh, oh, got it. So anyway, um, so as I'm trying to develop this new path, like, I'm this very, you know, self-centered 21, 22-year-old woman, like we all are at 21 and 22 years old. Let's just be honest. No matter how good we are, we're self-centered. And I started to try to figure this out. And I said, okay, I, I need to live. And kind of now my language is I need to abide by two rules. If it doesn't hurt myself and it doesn't hurt somebody else, then I can consider it. And ultimately that morphed into the greatest commandment and the one that follows, right? So Jesus, two commandments. And like, so those are the two things that I hold on to with all of my might when I make any decision or anything kind of comes out of my mouth if I'm smart enough to think before I speak or act is to say, am I doing this by loving God and loving my neighbor? And oh, by the way, like my neighbor is also myself. Like, so how, how do I, if it doesn't filter into those two things, then it is not an acceptable thing to do. And, you know, people say like life is super complex and religion is super complex, but at the end of the day, those are my rules and that's what I stick to. You and Jesus. Yeah. That's well done. I like it. And I think that was, you know, that was truly why he said those things to, simplify the complexity yeah. right not a complexity but ultimately it boils down to how we treat people but it was to to prevent that i want to be happy egotistical moment right like right. well this makes me happy so i'll push you over and i don't care how it makes you feel because it makes me happy you know and and so if and let's uh, for me as i've grown up grown up period. You know, if it hurts somebody else, it also does hurt me. It just, it comes back in some way or another. And I, I, today was, I, you know, saying to Derek, if I I apologized for something, even though, you know, it, it it just was, I would, I would never do anything or say anything to hurt you. What did you do? I can't talk about that now. <laughs> oh, that, that's for post-show maybe? No, like it, it just, it was something I said without thinking to another, to a third party, right? right. And later yeah. he kind of come back and he said, you know, I know that wasn't about me, but it, it kind of stung because we have mm. triggers with things. Like we have triggers. We all of us do. Yep. And, and I have enough grace, thank God, to be able to say, I, you know, that wasn't about you, but I'm still sorry that you were hurt because I would, I just, I never want to hurt somebody I love. And beyond that, I never want to hurt anybody. Sometimes people you don't love people I don't love. I don't want to hurt them either. (laughs) 
and yet, you know, there's that line of being um, like serving God. Sometimes I have to say hard truths. Like Mm. sometimes my agenda to make everybody happy. There's the other side of that does not, does not go hand in hand with God's agenda to um, serve justice in this world. Like I can't make you happy and love God sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes confrontation, uh, even though there's pain and discomfort in the long run, it's actually the thing that will lead to a place of, peace and reconciliation and happiness, but in the moment it's anything but. Right. But if you avoid it, you may avoid some of that messiness for a while, but you're just building something that's going to be a lot worse later. Exactly. It's like creamy peanut butter. And and we've come full circle. Ooh, we have. Well done. Well nicely done. Wow. Nicely done. Very well done. My goodness. I'm the so whole uh, we did have a... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so we didn't have we what? Did we, have? we had a comment on Twitter from Clark, who, in response to our question about switching <laughs> schools, churches, political affiliations, he says, I've done three of the four and maybe in the process of the fourth, moving to another city was incredibly hard, though, yet rewarding. So Clark uh, has done some changes and notes, I think, like we have, that... Uh, Despite the challenges, change in the long run uh, produces stuff in us that we wouldn't not want to have. Well, it, it expands us. Change, change, change is the ultimate agent of growth. It, it really is. And, and uh, you know, one of my favorite sayings is, you know, comfort zones, really nice places to live, but nothing ever grows there. <laughs> Wow, I was just going to ask for a final word, Ogan, but I think you may have just <laughs> dropped one. Uh, so I'm going to move on to Shannon. Any uh, any final thoughts uh, on change or anything else we've hit on? I mean, I, I, I think that change is really hard. And one of the – I spent a lot of time um, because of my life scenario with people who right now are going through divorce and ministry and very publicly – And, you know, the first thing I always say in the midst of this very painful change is that um, you are loved and Mm. that, you know, that is, and again, I don't, I don't mean to sound, you know, like this one trick pony, but it's a really good trick that like, you know, you are loved and, and God loves you and I love you and people love you and, and we'll figure it out. You know, Mm. we will just be there and Mm. we will figure it out. So, yeah, I want to I want to amend a little bit that magic that you are loved is not the one trick you're loved is how the trick works. Exactly. Exactly. It is the methodology behind the trick. It's how the magic works. And yeah, excellent. Those are fantastic and crucial words to someone who may be in a certain um, space in life where that's actually really in doubt. Um, so well done. Well, thanks friends for tuning in to pub theology live, please connect and spread the word on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course you can listen anytime to this podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, very soon, Google podcasts. 
If you want to find some fun people like us in your own town or neighborhood to have a conversation with, go to pubtheology.com and find a conversation happening near you. And once again, we want to give a big thank you to our sponsor, Craft Beer Cellar. Com for a location near you. And thank you, and Shannon. We, Yay, Shannon. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you, Ogan. And we'll see you next week. We are out. I want to. I want to change my final word. Okay. What yep. do you want it to be? Do it. Here's my takeaway: uh, smooth peanut butter in an open box, not a crate. <laughs> <laughs>